Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm DeAntha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. Hello, DeAntha. Hey, Marcel. How are you doing? I'm I'm great today, um, as in most days. Every uh, day. It is um, a time in life to enjoy, I think. Every day. Um, and be thankful. Today, we have a, a great friend of mine, Linda McKissick, that we're going to talk to. She's been, she and her husband built a business uh, it it's a great kind of story. It, yeah. it kind of came about where um, her husband said, "Yeah, I need you to help me a little yeah. more." He he had had a crisis in his business, and he said, "I heard that real estate was good." <laughs> and this was a, a long time ago, and yeah. as she tells the story, I think the audience will really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Uh, didn't go to college. Um, just uh, got out and worked Tenacious, hard. hard worker. I, and uh, of course, like myself and you, D too, um, when we first were starting in business, uh, it's a little bit, it's become a little easier for women, but mm-hmm. a very difficult time. And, and she just said, what's, what's the answer to that? You have to work really hard, communicate really well, and and not let your ego get in the way uh, as you try to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, smart lady. She mm-hmm. smart lady. Uh, so I think with that, we'll just go to the interview with her. I yeah. think you'll really enjoy. They're her. gonna love her. And now just a word from our sponsor. And now back to our show. Good morning, uh, Linda. It's so nice to have you here. Um, and I, I have known you myself for a long time, and I respect the work that mm-hmm. you have done and you and your husband uh, have created such a great business together. Fortunately, too, we had kids that went to school <laughs> together. So, you know, our lives have intertwined in lots of different places. So I'm so excited and so honored to have you here today. So I want to first start with just letting you, in essence, introduce yourself and just tell us about your journey from where you started um, and to where you are today. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Marcel. I always uh, enjoy any time you and I get together, but unfortunately, usually wind up once a year at John Maxwell's Exchange, and we always swear we're going to get together in between. And, <laughs> and then it's it almost the time again. Year. That's right. That's right. It is crazy. And we do live in the same city, so there's really no good excuse. Yes, exactly. Other than busy lives, right? Well, right. You know, My journey, Marcel, happened like I think a lot of people's journey can happen, (laughs) and that is through something very kind of uh, unnerving, unsettling, uh, disruptive. Um, It was a, and I don't even know if you were in Texas at the time, I'm pretty sure you were, but in the late 80s in Texas, the economy crashed. And I always like to say, I was in my middle 20s. I did not know what the word economy (laughs) meant, much less is a good one or a bad one. But I knew something was wrong when all of a sudden 
my husband didn't want to go to sleep at night. And the reason he didn't want to go to sleep is he said, if I go to sleep too early, morning comes too quick. And bankers mm-hmm. like to call you first thing when you own them, owe them money. And uh, again, <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't go to college right out of high school. No one in my family had gone to college. So it's just something that did not enter my mind. But being newly married to my husband, Jim, he suggested I go back to school and figure out, you know, who you are and how can you make more than minimum wage? So I was in the middle of doing that, raising a couple little kids, trying to help him with his business on the side. And then all of a sudden, what I like to call when I teach the class Fierce Conversations, a gradually and then suddenly happened in our life. And unfortunately, it's the suddenly that jolts us all awake, right? Yes. So um, when I actually went to him and said, what's wrong? Something is not right. He said, well, we had to sell the business we own in Dallas that we had taken all of our money to try to make it big in a kind of a mini Dave and Buster's type thing in Dallas. And he said, we had to sell it for $600,000 less than we owe against it. So I always like to say the good things about being in your middle twenties and not knowing what the word economy means. You also are naive enough that you don't know how massive that number was. He just told you. But, and I always like to say, I've almost been married to Jimmy 40 years and I don't wake up every day like most women I'm sure don't either and say, you know, honey, what do you think I should do today? I just do whatever the heck I think I should do. And then hope it's a good idea. Right. Well, because I was so overwhelmed, I said, he said, I need you to help me get out of this. And I looked at him and I said, you know, you know, I'm a hard worker. My whole, since I've been 14 years old, I've had at least two jobs. But I also realized that when I grew up, I can't make more than about minimum wage other than waitressing or bartending for your nightclubs, which obviously aren't going to be there. And so um, I said, what do you think I should do? Because I was so overwhelmed and, and I, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And he looked at me and he said, you know, a mentor of mine, a guy that used to pick him up for peewee football and drive him across town to play for his team, took him on and mentored him. And he said to him one time, Jimmy, if you want to make a lot of money, real estate is the way to do it. Now, Jimmy was young. He didn't know what the guy meant. And you know how the old the old telegraph story about when you tell something on one end, it comes out the other differently. Well, <laughs> I think I have since grown up and learned that that man was a builder and a developer out of Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. I really don't think he said, you know what, Jimmy, get yourself a wife, get her to selling houses and you guys will be rich forever. <laughs> I think Jimmy misunderstood, (laughs) but because that's all we had to hold on to, I said, okay, great. I had never lived in a house that I owned with my family. So I didn't even know what realtors did, what you're supposed to do. And uh, I said, okay, what is a realtor and what do they do and how do I become one? (laughs) And So that's kind of how my journey started, but I am a an achiever. I will, you know, and I'm very tenacious. Thank God. That's one gift God gave me tenacity. And I just don't quit if I, you know, if I believe in it. And so I, I always like to say my first year, I only made 3000 gross. Jimmy had to remind me that was super gross because he spent 15 for me to make three. And he said, this is not really helping our situation out. But, but to honest, you owed $600,000. So now we owe 600,000 and, and or 12, 612. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, but here's the thing. Back then, Marcel, no real estate company had great training. 
They, they just mm-hmm. didn't. Honestly, <laughs> I picked a lady who had a fish restaurant in Aubrey, Texas, and I would go to the gym at five in the morning and run on the treadmill next to her and go, how do I get a listing? How do I find a buyer? <laughs> I mean, I swear. So I spent about six months there and everybody that walked through her door wanted her, didn't want me. I wonder why. And so <laughs> but somebody paid, an affiliate paid for me to go to a seminar in Fort Worth, Texas. And that seminar changed my life because mm. it made me realize that anything in life you want to accomplish, anything, all you have to do is go find the people who've already done it and just say, what did you do? And then just be willing to go do it. Whatever it is they say, you got to go do it, right? And that's what I did. I started going to this seminar, even when we didn't really have the money, I'd come back and put about 10% of what I learned into place. And my business just blew up because it wasn't a lack of hard work or tenacity or any of those things. And, and I always cared about my clients and almost to the to the point where it just was literally a stress ball all the time because I couldn't leave it at work because, you know, I'd take people's, you know, problems at home and I'd be sweating whether they're going to be out of a house or, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. So, so, but the business began to take off. I became the top agent in Denton, uh, top one quarter of 1% in sales in the country. And I just woke up one day and realized as I just wasn't challenged anymore. And, you know, I've since learned that freedom is one of the most important things to me. There was something in Mm -hmm. my soul that responds very well. And I don't feel happy and motivated and energized when I feel constraint or I just feel like I'm in a box or the same things are going to happen tomorrow that happened last year. And it's groundhog day every day. I just don't, I don't enjoy that. And so my business at that point was very, very successful. And my coach who was Gary Keller at the time said, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been working on a concept where you can actually turn that business over to someone and then you could take step into a leadership role and, you know, take advantages of some other opportunities. And, you know, because we went through such pain of losing everything, the blessing was back then, Marcel, mm-hmm. the banks would eventually call you and say, hey, if you can scrounge up 30 cents on a dollar, we'll knock this note away <laughs> and and our auditors will be off our back and we'll all be good. And that's because most of the savings and loans <clears throat> were going bankrupt. But it was really a bad time. So we got blessed in that way. So we never really had to file bankruptcy, but it was a very, very rough period. And, and I think those times that happen in our lives, if we give it long enough, they become the great lessons that we need to, to grow beyond that and to have, you know, different outcomes. And, and I think that's the blessing is the lessons we learned from going through that. We made a vow that we were never going to be those people again, if at all possible, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, how do we not be those people? Who are the people that this kind of stuff, when it happens, it doesn't completely uproot their world. They're prepared, uh, maybe can even take advantage of, of the downturn or whatever. And so, you know, we just got busy making more and more money in the real estate business selling. And then Jimmy eventually realized that his his businesses were not going to come back to the level that they were. So he joined me and we've just been off to the races ever since, you know, read every book we could about building wealth and passive income. And how do you, you know, how do you prepare for, for that kind of stuff? And then brought his brother in to run my team. And uh, I went off to the races on owning Keller Williams market centers, a region for Keller Williams and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I can look back at it now and see a blessing. It was a very, very hard time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the, I always say it's never a rare marriage enriching time when you're in financial trouble. You don't, you don't come home from work and say, honey, how was your day? You say, what in the world are we going to do? And I'm working my butt off over here and I'm getting really afraid, you know, because a lot of it's, you're driven from fear. 
because you don't know where the bottom is, right? I don't know where the bottom is. I think you also mentioned in that that, you know, did you have a couple of kids you were raising during this time? Yes, I did. I, uh, like I said, I didn't go to college right out of high school. I actually got married um, just, just to get away from a family situation. And he was a nice guy, but it was, we were just not a good fit. So I had one little boy from him. And then Jimmy and I at the time um, actually had <clears throat> Bailey, our daughter. And then uh, during the process of selling real estate, stuff like that, I had our, our last son press. And then Jimmy had a daughter by previous marriage. She didn't live with us, but but he had a daughter by previous marriage also. So we had four kids total. Um, yeah. but, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to help him better myself and, you know, keep my family afloat. And afloat. We all know how those mommy guilts can be. <laughs> it can be <laughs> they, they can be pretty overwhelming, pretty overwhelming. Um, so if you, um, and, and I'll talk about the balance question, which understand that I don't love that word. Um, I, I think life should be a matter of averages because sometimes yeah. work wins and sometimes yeah. home wins and that's just the way it is. But you, you, so you have in, in the midst of this, you have two people who have been in failed marriages before, both with a child. Yeah. So you have a blended, a double blended family and you have financial debt and you're starting in a whole new profession. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable that you stayed married to this. I do know Jimmy and he is a nice guy, <laughs> but you know, no, no one's perfect. Uh, yeah. So that uh, it was pretty overwhelming. Tell me how you, how you did that. Uh, I can only say probably by the grace of God, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, I think we we knew we were each a better fit for each, for each other than our first marriages had been. And I don't think either one of us, you know, either one of us wanted to go through a divorce. And I think you kind of at that point, you either do one of two things, you either split apart or you just bind together. And honestly, we made a goal at that point after we read a book by Robert Kiyosaki called Cashflow Quadrant, where he explains wealthy people get their money from the right side of the quadrant, meaning they own businesses or through real estate or some type of investment. And the left side are people who are employees or self-employed. And obviously being in the real estate business, we were right in the middle of self-employed. And mm -hmm. so I think, I think the plan of how we were going to get ourselves out of this and you know, there's something about the old saying misery loves company, right? We both were in pain and misery from this. And so I think it kind of did what was a blessing was pulled us together. Not that we had, it wasn't Rocky and there wasn't, you know, I, I was I always like to say, if a, I've met a lot of women in the real estate business who their husbands pretty much took care of everything. And then all of a sudden they leave them either for a younger woman or just whatever happens. And it's so interesting to watch how some of them just buckle down and keep attracting the same kind of man and others just find an inner strength in themselves that they didn't know was there. Mm -hmm. And I'm always the kind of person that I will go in kicking and screaming, <laughs> but I come out with some great skills and stuff that I didn't even know was inside of me. So, you know, I think during the time when I'm scared and, you know, I'm coming from fear, you know, because under anger is always fear. Then I think it was very unpleasant. But I think the bond of, OK, how do we get ourselves out of this? You know, how do we yeah. work on this together? And I think that's we built a plan. We said, hey, if we just had 250,000 coming in passively, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we could have that as a cushion and then whatever else happens in the world, we should be fine. And of course, we've blown way past that because the world is 
got bigger challenges than that, <laughs> as we've seen. But the truth is, I think the 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 plan uh, and just, you know, there's something about you, you can either choose to let that draw you together or you can let it tear you apart. And so I guess we chose just to work through it together. Yeah. You know, uh, Linda, if you, I, I was thinking about this, we know as the rest of the economy um, has really struggled through the pandemic and, and COVID, I know real, real estate from at least a non-real estate person has mm -hmm. seemed to boom outside of commercial spaces, which yeah. <laughs> unfortunately I own some of those. <laughs> um, but it seemed like a brilliant idea at the time. Um, <laughs> but um, tell me, I know 2007 to 2009, uh, tell me how you have weathered the storm from a female owner in the business. Um, how, what, are, what are some things that our audience can glean from how you weathered the storm? Well, the 2000, 2009, we'd had enough time pass since the late 80s and early 90s of what happened in Texas to be prepared for something like that. I think when you go through life thinking that there's never going to be gradually and suddenlies, that's that's <laughs> when you're not prepared. But if you can just go ahead and say, look, there will be some gradually and then suddenly I just need to be. And that could be a gradually and suddenly good. You know, I teach a wonderful class called Fierce Conversations, and I love it because it just reminds me, you know, so many great things that you need as a leader that there are gradualies and suddenlies, and you got to either be prepared and you got to prepare your people to be prepared. Uh, and then, you know, conversation is the relationship. So if we're not having one, that tells us a lot about the relationship. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so but but to to know that that had happened early in our career before actually before we had a lot to lose so that was the blessing you know we didn't really have real estate to lose um we had a downsize in cars and you know get you know not and i think the fear in any kind of something like this is you don't know where the bottom is and so the less prepared you are the the more fear it's going to come along because you don't really know how long you can sustain or when it's going to stop falling and so the 2007 2009 we were prepared we bought more real estate than we've ever bought. Uh, and you're right, COVID, when it hit, all of us stopped in our tracks, not knowing what that was going to mean. And uh, fortunately for our industry, it was uh, an essential business. But on the flip side of that, Marcel, we have disruptors coming in our industry that are ha we're having to battle that's like never seen before. <laughs> we also have an emotional um, roller coaster with our agents because our agents, they care about people. They don't want to write 15 offers for one couple and they never get a house. It's an emotionally draining situation to be in. Right. And so, right. you know, so yes, they're, they're and, and realtors are infamous for making a lot of money and then still not having it when it was, when it's all over. If you, when you look back, um, I, you've talked about several of the mistakes that you, you learned from and did those differently. Do you have a, a mentor or two or more that you can tell us about? Yes, um, I'm a big believer in coaches and mentors. I will be the first to draw, to reach out to a therapist, a coach, a mentor, anybody, <laughs> a friend who will listen, whoever. <laughs> and uh, so I've really been blessed for many years, you know, being one of the early people to join Keller Williams, Gary mm -hmm. Keller, 
coached you personally early on. And I still like, you know, I have a text from him yesterday checking on me on something because uh, Jim's health's not been super great. But um, I know he's a phone call away. If I need him, I've had personal coaching with him. He wrote the one thing for people that don't know who Gary Keller is. I've been super blessed. Uh, and anytime he speaks or uh, does a class or does anything. I'm always my, doing my best to be there. Uh, he's one of those mm -hmm. people I said, I'll always be in front of as long as he's willing to be in front of the room. Uh, and then recently, you know, as you grow and, and become more and more successful, it gets a little bit harder to find people that you can glean, you know, a lot from. And so I have found the strategic coach program with Dan Sullivan about seven or eight years ago. And I'm just totally loving it because you know, I don't, I'm the kind of person at this stage of my life, I don't need to know how to do anything anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I need to know how to think differently because the way we think depends on how, what actions we take and what actions we take depend on what results we're going to get. And so I love this program because he's worked with entrepreneurs for 40 years and uh, he knows how to help you sit down and kind of think about your thinking. And uh, so uh, he's another gentleman that I'll always be a part of his organization as long as he's up front, you know, mm -hmm. coaching and mentoring and teaching. So yes, I always have coaches and mentors. And of course, John Maxwell has become a dear friend and you and I both extend, you know, attend and take our leadership to exchange. And, um, you know, John called Jim the other day. I mean, we, we just really look for people that the values are the same and the mm -hmm. knowledge and the wisdom is just some that, you know, I've learned won't always be around. And so you have to be willing to sacrifice your time and your money to go be with them while it is here and available. Right. Exactly. It's, it's that thing and we don't know how many of those moments are left. And yeah. so we have to do that. And I heartily agree. Um, Linda, it, from a pure female perspective, um, and I know you, I know you have a lot of women who work, uh, with you and, and you've coached and trained, uh, do you think there's any challenges in, in particular for women in business um, that you can give us some insight to? I mean, I always, I hate to say this because I never want to be a victim, but right. absolutely. I mean, I, I had an experience earlier this week that I wound up being in tears. So I had to take myself off camera because, you know, but, you know, women are a little more sensitive and, and I always want to do the best I can. And I never want to, you know, I mean, I know the triggers for me and they don't happen near as often as they used to, as I've gotten wiser and more confident and all those things. But I mean, absolutely. And I, I just said this to a group of women the other day, you know, the truth is you just have to accept the fact that you have to work harder, be smarter and, you know, learn how to communicate well and just know that it is going to be, I've always said, you know, for, for, for years, I went up to my region to build Keller Williams and Jimmy chose to stay home and work on the businesses that we had here. And I still have people say to me, well, remember that time and Jimmy did, and it would have been a time that he wasn't even there. <laughs> so I just, you know, and, and I always say it's my ego that wants to step up and say something. And what I realize is, you know what, what difference does it make? Linda, at the end of the day, in all honesty, you know what you did. What difference does it make? And so I always have to check myself and say, is that my ego being bothered? <laughs> but right. yeah, it's, it, I can, I don't care. You can be in a room and you can say something very wise and nobody picks up on it. And then the next time a gentleman says it, it will be picked up as the brightest <laughs> idea there is. 
<laughs> so, you know, uh, it's not to uh, sound bitter or anything, because I'm really trying not to be. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I agree. However, I did have a young woman say to me, I, she was listening, she had listened to a podcast and, and I know her really well. And she's like, I don't think they talk enough about the real struggles. And I said, well, I think if you have successful women, they don't want to use that as an excuse. Yeah. Yes. So what they're trying to say to you is you accept it, um, just yes. understand it. Um, it's been a number of years, but I had a banker. I was out trying to get a line of credit for the business I was doing. And uh, when he called me back to tell me that he had um, accept, you know, that we had been approved, he said, hello, sweetie. And I thought, oh, well, frankly, hell could freeze over before I will ever take a dime from you, which was a big thing to say because yeah. truly I needed the line of credit. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, um, it, it is difficult, but it, you know, it's more about the overcoming, you, you know, how do we overcome those struggles and that we're going to come across. I, it took me, I now have a bank where the vice president is a female, but it took me a long, long time to find, not that I couldn't find lots of females in banking, but it was, it took me a long time to find um, a bank that had that kind of executive that was a female look across Dallas um, yeah. or look at the top CEOs in the country and it would still kind of tell you that um, there is it, it you you do have to try really hard um, to to be successful well at so, least Marcel they he didn't say can you go get your husband to co-sign or something you know? <laughs> Do you know, I did have, uh, I was out to dinner with a fellow for business. I can't even remember what it was about. I think he was talking about expanding or whatever. And it's always, Craig has always done. My husband is always, <clears throat> as you know, uh, is retired military. And he uh, did other things um, while I did a healthcare business. And while I went to the bathroom, he asked Craig, okay, let's talk about this deal and Craig looked at him and said uh this you're gonna have to wait and have the conversation with Marcel because this is not my deal so it you know it is 2021 and I hopefully uh, the struggles for young women are are not as great as they were for me but um you know it, it's still alive and well yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes our the struggle, biggest struggles are the ones we have with ourselves. the, the emotional <laughs> pull of, you know, you know, if, if I, I've always said to Jim and whether it's our kids or anybody, so I, I know it's gotta be me, but I'll say, you can say something and people just think, I mean, like they don't, they don't get their feelings hurt. If I say something, it's like, <laughs> like, I don't, okay, help me. If it's something I'm doing wrong, I need yeah. to correct it. Right. But I don't know. It's just, I don't know. And so there's so much psychology, I'm sure, behind it, but I can't slow down long enough to figure out. I just say, OK, Linda, maybe it's your tone. What could you work on to be better? You know, I just go back and say, OK, what else can I do? But because it, it is hard to know what part is you always want to own your own DNA and stuff. I never want to put anything that is that is my DNA in it off on something else, because when you do that, you never grow and you never get better. 
but it is kind of hard sometimes to figure out what the psychological stuff is that you don't even know is out there. Exactly. If you were talking to new entrepreneurs, in particular women, um, what do you think they, what, where's their time best spent? Where should they invest um, their time, if you well, will, to learn or grow or, or do a better business? Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, be a, be a growth person because the world is moving forward. And if you are not growing, learning and growing, then you're actually moving backwards. You know, okay. you're, you're headed for us suddenly and you don't even realize it. So first and foremost, always be a growth mind, always be looking to grow, always be learning those kinds of things. Second of all, I would say learn leverage because as a woman, we have a million things. And if you struggle with giving up certain pieces, we have a, we have a motto around our house, no job too small to subcontract. Mm -hmm. And um, I have learned early on that my, my best quality time when I was at home, wasn't doing the laundry or cooking or any <laughs> of those things. You know, if, if I'm going to work a lot, I need to be with my kids when I'm there. I need to mm -hmm. be there. Right. And plus I suck at all that stuff. Um, and that would, that would <laughs> be, God did not give me any domestic genes. He gave them all to my sister. So I told my sister, <laughs> we are going to honor God and we're going to use your domestic genes <laughs> in my household. <laughs> so she cooks some for me. She, she helps me stay organized and in the home front and all that stuff. So I would say, you know, always be growing. Uh, don't, you know, don't ever not be growing yourself because you are your greatest asset. Your, you know, your abilities, you have to treat yourself just like a pro athlete would those kind of things. Always look for leverage, whether it's in the business or out, stop asking what needs to be done. Cause we, we will try to do it all and ask who can do it. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is pay attention to the moments that, you are motivated and energized the most by about what you do and then pay attention to the pieces that are just eh, and the pieces that are annoying get rid of those because the more you get in your unique ability and your lane of what you what makes your heart sing and only you are uniquely made to do the bigger and the better your life gets and the more you enjoy everything and that's easier said than done right <laughs> for sure um you know, Linda, I, you talked about growing and change in the world. I, I have a crazy question because I heard just through a friend of mine, and of course, my my daughter's just sold her little house, and the the closing fees or the closing costs. Which let me just say, I I would never sell a house on my own. Um, but as we know about everything else. Um, the, the world and how we do it from renting cars. I'm, I'm having the opportunity to do a trip. Couldn't get a rental car there and am ending up where basically I'm renting a car from people who rent their own cars. Uh, it's that shared commerce kind of uh, position. But uh, the, the other friend of mine who told me she'd heard of an online company that basically for a flat fee will list your house on MLS, do all these things. Now, you don't have obviously everything done, but tell me how a real estate company who's looking next five, 10 years out is changing to meet that that environment um, uh, of the future where everything's electronic, um, you know, um, and, and how, how would you see that if you're, you're thinking big or thinking differently, if you will? 
Yeah, well, and I think, you know, because we are in the world of technology trying to disrupt, I don't feel, I think it's going to be um, high technology, but also high touch, because I know yeah. from my own 30 years of being in this business, the problem is a lot of times a person can't see the value of a realtor because, well, here's a perfect example. Um, many, many years ago, uh, the Bowles were clients of mine for years. And um, I, when I first got into real estate, I sold their little, their first little house and uh, found them this amazing deal kind of out a little bit. They made a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. When he went to go sell, there was an agent that hadn't been doing the business long, didn't have a lot of experience, but it was a guy that he was connected with through, through the school. And so he calls me one day, Mark calls me one day and he, uh, he goes, you got to help me. And I said, what's up? And he said, I, I, I messed up. <laughs> we went through so-and-so we bought this house. It would have been a house that I would have never encouraged them to buy because they mm -hmm. just took all of that great equity and they put it into something that they could now not get the equity out of, right? Wow. So those kind of hidden things that people don't know and see that technology is never going to be able to, to do that kind of stuff, right? It's going to make our search can more convenient. You know, it's going to keep up with uh, the AI is going to keep up with, you know, and let me know kind of what you're looking at and what you like. And, you know, the AI that we're going to have that we're, we're building in our own company is going to help me tell you when it's time to refinance. And mm -hmm. we're going to have to do things like um, list or sell your house with Keller Williams and you've got a zero cost loan. Um, we have free real estate school now. We're just adding more and more value because there's certain things that on value that technology is not going to be able to do. Right. And for hundreds of years, there's always been a cheaper deal. And my question is, there's, <laughs> there's cheaper cars. Do you drive those? <laughs> no? uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know it, Linda. I'm a, I'm a car snob. I love great <laughs> cars. Um, we do. So I really want that new Bronco. And I everyone's advising me not to get it. But it is the cutest thing ever. adorable. So I just drove by one and said, what is that? I mean, we were <laughs> trying to scoot up and back and I'm like, is that another right? Cause I have a Range Rover and I love those. And I was like, is it a Range Rover? What is that? We like <laughs> never figured out what that thing was. It's adorable. Um, so, so when you, so when you are looking and I, I get it, it seems like the less touch, especially during COVID that we've gotten, the more yearning people have. Um, I'm on a couple boards and we haven't met face to face in almost two years now. And the big decision is meet face to face or not. I'm, of course, I'm all in and I know that whoever's listening who's not um, is probably, you know, saying bad things about me. But, um, you know, I've been all in for that. And I, you know, I took the vaccine. I've had the booster. I, I'm a believer in that. Shoot me or don't shoot me. And either side of the fence you stand on with that. But yeah. partially because I yearn for face-to-face -face time. Um, and so that, that's what I think in some of the things that we do just completely electronically, how do we, as you would say, have a high touch experience with that overall? Um, and how do you, how do you create that when you think I want to get a cheaper deal, but how do I, you know, how do, how do I do that? Um, 
So I, I, I don't know where you see your business changing as it goes forward. Um, it's interesting that you said with Gary Keller, <clears throat> and I never really, you know, we all know Keller Williams, um, but that's interesting that you were there when he was beginning that thought process of how, how do you let people in essence uh, take this as their own? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So where do you see the future? And I, I always love, I wish I could go to that gadget um, conference in yeah. Las Vegas. Um, yeah. They haven't had it. I, I don't think they had it last year. I don't know if they're going to have it this year. Just to see what the new technology, do you see any of those things in your future from your business? Well, Gary's been on the train of building AI for realtors for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we're making great strides in that. And I think that's going to have to be, cause think about it. We all love Netflix. Would any of us go back to the TV guide? No, <laughs> you know, and most of the people out there don't even know what I mean when I say TV guide. Right. But the truth is, um, but, but we are going to have to work our databases better and I'm going to have to become, if I'm your realtor, I'm going to have to become the person Marcel that you cannot imagine doing any real estate deal without it. Because, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to look at this thing in a way that's how do you make the most money? How do you get the place you want? Whatever is the best information that I have to, to share to make you make a great decision. And I think, you know, it's going to have to be not just when you list or when you sell, but the whole seven or eight or 10 years, depending on the person in between. I have to be the person that's reminding you, hey, look, we need to it's time to change out your uh, hot water heater. And here's the great um you know, mm -hmm. people that I have in my contact database. And by the way, guess what? They're all going to give you a discount or, you know, give you special mm -hmm. service. Uh, I'm going to have to be the one that says, hey, Marcel, rates have really dropped. We really need you because now AI is telling me it's time for you to refinance. And guess what? I got mm -hmm. a zero cost loan for you to refinance for. I'm going to have to start making up the, the value for you in other places. And I do see that our, our, our rates may, you know, it may change if we're, we're prepared for anything, right. We may have to disrupt ourselves to be yeah. honest with you. And, um, and that's never a fun thing. And I don't think there's any industry if they, you know, we missed the dot com in the early stages, we were braced that it might try to come into our industry. And instead it went after travel agents and all other kind of things. Yeah. But, I don't think any business is exempt as we move forward and technology just grows and grows and grows. I just exactly. imagine it's a matter of when, when is your industry going to be the one that somebody right. looks up and says, there's a lot of money there on the table and we want to get a piece of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you talked and I know you teach lots of classes and mentor women. Um, what do you do when you have someone who you can't inspire, you can't, can't, they're, they're a good person and maybe they do the bare minimum, but they don't do anything beyond that. How do you, how do you help that person? Well, I think there's always a reason. Um, if they're an employee for me, they're probably in the wrong spot because whatever they're doing doesn't motivate and energize them. Now, if they're a victim and it's a mental thing um, and it's affecting the team, then I have to have a fierce conversation. I have to have an honest conversation that, you know, kind of turns it back to them in the form of a video camera for them to see some of the actions and 
attitudes and things and how they're affecting the company and the team and, and even them and, and even them. Right. Um, you know, and if I'm coaching or mentoring, you know, um, someone like that, then, you know, probably it's a lot to do with the way they think and it's limiting beliefs and more or mooring lines. And you can only do so much. Um, you know, we all have limited. I always like to tell everybody, look, don't compare my outsides to your insides. I got the same limiting beliefs and everything else you do. The only difference is I'm unwilling to let them hold me back from the life that I want. And so I know they're there. It's a narrator. We all have it. It doesn't encourage us to go out and try big things, you know, yeah. and so, um, you know, we all have that. And so until that changes, I don't think, cause again, our thinking is what dictates our activities and our activities are what dictate our result. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times when people are like that, they're either, they either need to go do some therapy work because they really are hung up somewhere or they're in the wrong spot and it's just not motivating and energizing and that's affecting everybody. Yeah. Um, this is a question I don't usually ask too, Linda. Um, but if you had a young woman who was going into this, doing her real estate uh, and she, let's say she wanted to build, um, you know, or have a lot more disposable income, where, where would be the places for her um, to invest most? Well, you know, we're, we wrote the book, Hold, How to Find, Buy, and Rent Houses to Build Wealth. So we're always going to be the person that says, look, there is cash flow and there is wealth and passive income, and they are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember a point in my life when I thought, well, I'll just sell 50 more houses and all my problems will go away. And I'd sell 50 <laughs> more houses and I'd still have the same problem that I didn't have money put away or money making money for me and all those kind of things that help give you a little bit of cushion when the gradually and suddenly things happen in your life. And by the way, I always say, look, if you wind up making more than you need, because none of us need massive amounts of money to live live on. It's money isn't happiness. Money's money and happiness is happiness. However, um, you can there's always a need. And you know, it feels good. I always say, look, you know, part of the blessings that I didn't expect when Jim and I were working on building wealth and passive income was that we could pay off, you know, a relative's house and give them a life estate in their 70s mm -hmm. when they were about to lose their home. There's that's priceless. I mean, to be able to just write that check and not worry about it, there's always and I believe because we did a survey um for our book hold and they followed, you know, hundred people around and one was wealthy and four was financially secure and the rest wasn't in good shape, you know? And yeah. so those are going to be our family and our friends. And so when you have that and you don't have a hang up of, you know, how much is enough and all that stuff, then you have that to be able to step into those gaps uh, wherever, wherever it's needed. And so I would just say, look, wealth and passive income are not the same thing as the money you're going to make in selling real estate. So always, come up with a number that you want to come in passively so that someday you're working because you want to, not because you have to, that's mm -hmm. completely different. Right. Great advice, Linda. Um, I, I always end with one question and I know you're going to have a, a list of these because, <laughs> um, you know, we, we have been coached by the man that says, if you're a leader, you have to be a reader. Um, and so I, I love to get really partially for my own um, selfishness. I love to get the books you're 
reading the thing, the books that have might have impacted your life the most. Uh, tell us about those. Well, the earliest book I can think of, Marcel, and I didn't even realize it. My, I've had a very dysfunctional family growing up. And so I think books became my escape to, okay. to get out of what was going on. Exactly. And I don't remember why, but I remember the book, Helen Keller's book, really <laughs> impacting yes. me. I always have said, I need to go back and reread that, but I wouldn't see the same things today that I saw back then. I, I believe books give you hope. They give you ideas, you know, um, they give you a pattern interrupt to, to break up anything that's you're stuck on those kind of things. And so, uh, Helen Keller was my very first book. I remember that was super influential to me. And then somewhere along the way, and I don't know who gave them to me or how I got them, but people started giving me books by Jim Rohn. I started listening to audio tapes by Jim Rohn. So he was one of my earliest mentors. Mm -hmm. I loved Jim Rohn. And, um, and then of course, John with uh, failing forward is probably my favorite book that he wrote. Uh, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan, The One Thing by Gary Keller. I mean, there's so many books <laughs> that they're like a puzzle that put me together, you know, because <laughs> I always like to say, once you know something, you can't pretend you don't. <laughs> you know? This is true. <laughs> Fierce Conversations. Um, that book was a game changer for me. I went on to get certified to teach from her because it was just so impactful. I mean, when you start running businesses, you're succeeding through people and that's when it gets really difficult. You know, yeah. uh, it's not for the faint at heart. It really is not. I said <laughs> it's not. yesterday when we have, we have a, you know, had a thing we were trying to deal with and I'm like, you know what? And it never comes in a little trickle. It's like a big bomb. Um, <laughs> it's not for the faint at heart, but um, I think, you know, once you start doing that, you start having to work on like things like career visioning. How do I select the right people? How do I know more about that person before I put them in a spot? Because we do them a disservice when we put them in the wrong spots. Also, we do, we do something to them, not for them. And mm -hmm. so the better I can get at that process. Um, so anything that has to do with leading people, um, you know, I'm looking forward to impact uh, players by the girl that wrote uh, Multiplier, Liz. I just heard Wiseman, I think is her name. I just heard her recently. So just anything, you know, if you're going to lead people, you better be brushing up on, on, because sometimes as a leader, you're lonely and you need to know that, hey, some of this stuff that happens to me, it happens to other people too. It's not just me. I don't know yeah. why that is, but, but, you know, I always know that I have a few friends I can reach out to and say, gosh, you wouldn't believe what happened. This person quit today. And so this one, and so this one, it's like, <laughs> why today? you know, and, and, you know, and it's, there's, there's so many lessons in it, but leadership is, you know, it's, 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 it's not easy. It, it's not, and it's not for the faint at heart and you have to be committed to succeeding through people, not around them. How do I take people with me? How do I get people that are so valuable that I wake up every day and I'm super excited to work with those people? Because you, you know, no matter what comes at you, as long as they're beside your side, you guys can handle it. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've certainly seen that from a distance watching as you have your team at different events. Um, it's air apparent, your value of people. Linda and I, you know, in a world where that's so many times not so in business, I, I want to say I, I appreciate uh, watching that. So what's, what's next for you, Linda? What, um, you, you've done so many things. What, what's your next step? You know, I think once you find something that you feel like you were put here to do and you were born to do and 
you know, what is your unique ability and what pieces of, of your role you don't are not your unique ability. I keep a sign in front of me, Marcel, that says that came from Dan Sullivan's quotes. And it says, when you do something you're good at, you cheat someone else from doing something they're great at. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep getting very clear on what are the things that I could do all day long. I could do for the next 25 years. Who do I love being a hero to? Who do I love getting up and serving? And how do I do more and more of that? And anything that's annoying and, and not fun, how do I get that off of my plate and onto someone who actually would get energized by that activity, right? Yeah, right. So I don't know that it's a lot of new anything. I see myself, uh, I already see that my team is stepping up, becoming a self-motivating team. Just finding more and more talented players is always what I'm looking for. And then how do I help the people that that are with me that are talented players? How do I help them accomplish whatever it is they want to accomplish, you know, big dreams, big goals, whatever it is, my spot, my role, my job, whatever, you know, how do I help them accomplish that? Because I think the minute you decide to lead through people, you have an obligation to keep growing because otherwise you put limitations on what their opportunities are. And so, um, you know, we've moved out of the way for people that are talented to share a piece of our equity in certain things. We've created new businesses with people because they're talent and they want what their next opportunity is. So I just think more of those, more of things involved with talented people and less and less of it being about me and what I can go do, but people mm -hmm. stepping into those places that for years was my, I was the pinch hitter when it came time for those kind of things, but now equipping people that it's their, now their opportunity. And I just get to sit on the sideline and coach them and help them mm -hmm. and, you know, build, build more things with them. Well, Linda, it's been such an honor. Uh, you built a multi-million dollar real estate business. You're an author, a podcaster, you are a mother and grandmother. Um, and so you are, you are someone definitely to follow and admire. And I just appreciate the time you've had with us today. Well, I appreciate the, I appreciate you and I at least getting together on a conversation between <laughs> now and exchange. And I look forward to seeing you at exchange and sorry, we're not going to be able to be in Hawaii, but you guys have a great time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Linda. Take care. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Have a great day.